It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, you know, Rich, I was thinking uh, I was thinking recently about the complete story. What is it? And it really is an opportunity to have an editorial component uh, into our programming so our entire audience can understand where Bot Radio Network is coming from. And first of all, folks, it's the preaching and teaching of God's Word, the Bible. And secondly, the discussion of current events and things that pertain to how people live according to the Bible, according to what is right and according to what is wrong. That is why the Bible must not be played with or toyed with or taken lightly. What say you? Well, that's exactly right, Dad. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of cultural winds at play right now, and and a lot of them have theological components. And uh, what we're going to be talking about today is very much in keeping with that. And the way that we find out for sure whether it's true or not is to look to the Bible. You know, the Bible says that the people of Berea were more noble because they searched the scriptures daily to determine whether those things were so. So that when when they heard a new idea, they went to the Bible to see if the Bible confirms that what they're hearing is actually true. Now, that's always been so important to me because I pondered that. I just kind of thought, let's see, you know, the people of Berea were more noble than their brethren, I believe the scripture says, because... They searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. They didn't want to take anyone's word for it. They wanted to find out for themselves, is it true? Now, today especially, where churches, and sometimes the preachers even, will say, well, I'm not sure about marriage anymore. You know, I mean, is it really between a man and a woman? What is marriage? And, or there's any number of things that people are confronted with. And frankly, folks, it gets very dangerous because the little ones, the children, the teenagers, they're very gullible and very easy to sway one way or the other. I think that's why Ken Ham said you've got to start out in the book of Genesis and you've got to understand that God's word is what it is and stay with it. Just like a roadmap, let me just say this. When I was a kid, uh, really youngster back in the... In the, the 30s, I was, I was born in 33, so this would have been in the late 30s, maybe the 40s. My folks would be on a little journey up to St. Cloud, Minnesota or something like that. And if there was any departure from the route that they always took, they always had a road map. Because somebody, my mother could say, well, I think this is the right road, or I think that's the right road. My dad could say, I think we turn left here, don't we? But if you have the road map, you know and that's what the Bible is, the roadmap between right and wrong and all of those things. Now, we're going to hear something really special today by Michael Youssef, Dr. Michael Youssef. Do you remember the first time we met him? It's been a long time. I don't remember the first time. I bet it's 20, 20 or yeah. more years ago. And he was, he, he, he was from Egypt, Michael Youssef. Then I thought, well, now— where is his church? His church is in Atlanta, and it's called the Church of the Apostles, and we visited there one time. I wanted to see for myself what Michael Youssef's church was like there in Atlanta, 
And it was wonderful, wasn't it? It was. I'm not sure if that's the first time I met him. I think I met him at NRB, but I remember the first time I attended his church, Church of the Apostles, right there in Atlanta. And Michael Youssef was born in Egypt, and he was born in a Christian family, and he grew up as a believer. And this Church of the Apostles is powerful, but this gives him a unique perspective on everything that's happening right now in the Middle East, and also a tremendous love for the Word of God. Yeah. And you know, Dad, we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, the Bible is our sure foundation. And you know that little song about the wise man builds his house upon the rock? Yeah. And, uh, of course, that's that's found in the Bible, that story about the wise man and the foolish man. And uh, you told me a long, long time ago that, you know what, when you think about it, the foolish man uh, was a builder. He knows that you're supposed to build with a foundation of rock. But why did he build upon sand? And that's because he thought it was rock, but he was wrong. And so the only way that you can know for sure that you're building your life on the solid, sure foundation of rock is to build it upon the Word of God, because that is a one sure foundation. And that's what we're going to be listening to Michael Youssef about today. That'll preach. Well, I tell you now, um, there is this movie. There's the first of all, it was the book, The Shack. And, And then there was the movie. And I understand that the movie is a little different than the book and people. So there's a lot of confusion about it. And I remember someone in our church, I think someone in our Sunday school class, even said with tears in her eyes, you know, that any departure uh, from the Word of God is something that should not be done. So uh, we, we had chosen, if you remember, not to get in the middle of any controversy or anything. However, Michael Youssef really spoke to the issue. And I think our entire BOD Radio Network family, you see, I think of our listeners as part of the family. Our BOT Radio Network listener family uh, will benefit by hearing what Michael Youssef has to say. Go ahead. Okay, and this is a special broadcast that they aired. We're we're bringing it back again for our uh, complete story listeners here today so that they can hear what Michael Youssef has to say about he has 13 heresies that are within the shack. And this was a special broadcast. Here it is. Welcome to a very special Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Several years ago, Dr. Youssef was compelled to bring a teaching to his church family regarding a popular book at that time. It was called The Shack, revealing some destructive elements that were polluting many people's view of God. Well, The Shack has recently been released as a movie, pulling on the emotions of all who watch, and like the book, distorting how God is revealed in His Word. Our team at Leading the Way felt like it was important to bring this teaching out of the archives because, no doubt, many of you are having conversations with those who are touched by this movie, or maybe you've seen the movie yourselves. So now let's listen as Dr. Michael Youssef begins his message, The Shack Uncovered, with a summary of the plot. It's a tale of a man, fictitious man, of course, by the name of Mackenzie Phillips, or Mac for short, who had experienced pain in his life and the brutal murder of his daughter by a serial killer. And let me tell you something. There's no, I can't imagine, before God, I can't imagine anything worse than that. I would rather die a thousand deaths than experience anything like this. So I, I understand how we all got hooked into that book. And then he receives an invitation. Over three years later, he receives an invitation from God the Father in the mail. 
And he, to go and meet the Trinity, what he considered to be the Trinity, in the very shack where his daughter was murdered. And there, each member of the Trinity is in a bodily form. Heresy number one. I'm going to tell you more about this. The Trinity appear as follows. God the Father, named Papa, whose actual name is Eloise, which is Greek for tenderness. God the Father appears in a form of a large African-American woman who is always cooking in the kitchen. Although at the end of the book, in a Hollywood kind of magic, she turns into a ponytailed, gray-headed man just to prove to Mac that God both man and woman. Number two, Jesus is a Middle Eastern man, middle-aged, dressed in a plaited shirt with a tool belt around his waist. The Holy Spirit appears as a delicate Asian woman named Sorayu, means heir, who loves gardening. And the main character, Mac, meets with also another woman named Sophia, Lady Wisdom. But the bulk of the novel is a dialogue between this character, Mac, and that trio, whom he calls the Holy Trinity. The topics of discussion range from the nature of Trinity to the cross to forgiveness. And as a result of this dialogue with this trio, Mac's faith in God and the God of the Bible, which he believed in one stage, falls apart completely, is dismantled and fell apart, and then was replaced by a complete new understanding of who God is, and thus he becomes a changed man. And that is why people are running around saying, this book changed my life. It gave me an idea what the Trinity is like. Listen to me. Do not even try to imagine what the Trinity is like. If a preacher on television says to you, and I know some who would say, the Trinity is very simple, let me explain it to you. It's one man, like me, for example, is a father and a son and a grandfather. It's one person. Uh, wrong. <laughs> oh, the Trinity is very simple, let me explain it to you. You have steam, ice, and water, all the same thing, made the same thing. Uh-uh, mm, wrong can exist together. Do not try to explain the Trinity. There are three persons in one God. You cannot explain it. Sadly, many Christians have claimed that this book changed their lives because they began to understand the Trinity for the first time. That is not the Holy Trinity. And the question I want to ask them is, change your life to what? To what? while the author repeatedly claims that this is a work of fiction, and yet no one can avoid or deny or escape his personal agenda that comes through the book again and again, namely that he himself turned his back on the God of the Bible and embraced the mishmash of universalism and liberalism. It is universalism that single-handedly destroyed Christianity in Europe and in England. And it is universalism that is working hard to destroy the faith of the remnant believers in American church today. Some thoughtful person called that book subversive. 
Another equally thoughtful person called it seductive. Dr. Al Mola called it undiluted heresy. Here's the summary of those heresies. I only summarize them for the sake of time, and you can even get more or read less or whatever. I just summarize 13 points of error, of departure from the truth of the Scripture and the Word of God and the triune God that we know that He revealed Himself in the Scripture. Number one, that God the Father was crucified with Jesus. Error number one, heresy number one. The Bible clearly says that He would not look upon His own beloved Son when He hung on that cross carrying your sins and mine because His eyes are purer than to see sin and to look upon sin. Secondly, that God is completely limited by His love, and He could not practice justice. While the Bible clearly says from cover to cover that God's love and God's justice are two sides of the same coin of the personality and the character of God. Number three, that on the cross God forgave all humanity, regardless whether they repent or not. Some choose relationship, but He forgave everybody. While Jesus said, only whomsoever will come will be saved. Number four, that any hierarchical structure, whether it be in the church or in the government, is evil. Our God is a God of order. Number five, God will never judge people for their sins. And yet the Word of God repeatedly invites people to escape from the judgment of God that's going to come upon everyone who refused to believe in Jesus Christ. Come now, escape now. And the urgency of that message throughout the pages of the Scripture is so clear. Number six, that there is no hierarchical structure in the Godhead, just a circle of unity. And yet the Bible clearly said that Jesus submitted to the will of the Father it doesn't mean that one is higher or better than the other, just different, unique role that each played. And Jesus said, I came to do the will of whom He sent me. I'm here to obey my Father repeatedly. He said, I send you the Holy Spirit. Number seven, God submits to human wishes and choices. <laughs> Far from God submitting to us. Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. We are to submit to Him in awe for His majesty and for His glory and for what He has accomplished for us. Number eight, justice will never take place because of love. Yet the Bible teaches very clearly that when God's love is rejected again and again and again, and when the offer of salvation and forgiveness is rejected, justice must take place, or else God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for nothing. Next, Jesus is walking with all people in their different journeys to God, and it doesn't matter which way you get to Him. And yet Jesus said clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one, no one, no one, no one will come to the Father but by me. Number 11, 
Jesus is constantly being transformed with us humans. Jesus being transformed with us humans? Jesus who dwells in the splendor of heaven, who's on the right-hand side of God, reigning and ruling the universe, is changing and being transformed with us humans? And the Bible said, in Him there is no change, for He is yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Number 12, no need for faith or reconciliation with God because everyone will make it to heaven. Jesus said, only those who believe in Me will have eternal life. Look, I did not make the rules. I just obey them as they made by God. Finally, the Bible is not true because it reduces God to pages, to paper. And yet the Bible said of itself that it is God-breathed. God-breathed. Sure, there were many men throughout 1,600 years, extent or 1,800 years, who have written different professions, different backgrounds, but because it's the Holy Spirit who jumped in their ink while they were writing, because the Holy Spirit came into their lives, they were writing the same message from Genesis to Revelation. And if you want to see more, read more about the place of Christ in the Scripture, get my sermon on We Preach Christ. But to me personally, one of the most devastating aspects of this book, The Shack, is the absolute disrespect and disregard to the holy God by this main character. Beloved, when Isaiah saw a glimpse of God's glory, he was so overwhelmed, he was so overcome, and he cries out in chapter 6 saying, Woe to me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses encountered God in the burning bush, he hid his face because he was afraid to look upon God's glory. In Exodus 33, Moses was given just a glimpse of God's glory because God told him that if you look upon my face, you'll die. And John the Revelator, this is a disciple whom Jesus loved, who leaned upon Jesus' shoulder when he was taken up to heaven and was given a revelation of the reigning, ruling, victorious Christ. He was so overwhelmed. He was so overcome because he saw the dwellers of heaven, the inhabitants of heaven crying, holy, 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 glory, 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 that he fell on his face. And yet we see a man who puts God on trial and uses foul language in the presence of so-called God the Father. And then he snaps at God with anger, so much so that he makes God cry. Beloved, this is not someone who is in the presence of the holy God of heaven and earth. He is in the presence of a God who is created in man's own image, a God who obeys man a God who exists in man's figment of imagination, a God who exists in man's needs and for man's needs and desires, a God who is controlled and manipulated by man, a God is like an idol or like a Hindu idol where they open the closet and get the idol out and have some talking to and then put that idol back and close the closet. This is not the holy unrighteous creator God of the Bible. This is not the powerful God who said, let there be light and there was light. 
In that book, Papa, who he calls God the Father, speaks to the main character, Mac, and says, we, referring to the Trinity, limit ourselves out of respect for you, humans. And that is why I said this is not the God of power and might. This is not El Shaddai. This is not the God whose eyes are purer than to look upon sin. This is not the God who hid His face from His beloved begotten Son who coexisted with Him since before eternity when He carried your sin on the cross, when He carried my sin on the cross. God is bowing to man. The author of the shack not only presents a false view of God, he presents a different God different from the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, he mocks the importance and the uniqueness of the Bible. He makes the Bible to be equal to whatever personal imagination of what God is like. Whatever you imagine God is like is equal to the Bible. Please listen carefully. God is spirit. And he does not have a body, yet he chose to reveal himself in the masculine form. Nowhere does God reveal himself as a goddess. Listen to me, beloved friends. If we try to imagine what God is like, we will pay a hefty price. I don't want to explain this to you because it's very important. The Bible is very clear. They're not dare not portray God in an image. It is impossible to make the Creator part of the creation. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit, and he who worship him must worship him in truth and in spirit. The second commandment forbids us from making a visual portrayal of God. To worship such an image is pure idolatry. To worship an image of God is to worship the creation, not the Creator. Portraying God the Father as an African-American woman or a white old man, I don't care which way it is. Portraying the Holy Spirit as an Asian woman or white man, it makes no difference to me no matter what it is, is purely sinful and we will reap the judgment of God if we fall for these heresies. No wonder the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, here's what he said, listen carefully. Claiming to be wise, they become fools and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men. It is only... In the Bible, it is only in the Word of God. It's the only place God reveals Himself of who He is. Any personal revelation of God is suspect. You may see angels. You may see heavenly being, but not Jesus. Do you know that in the book of Acts, the entire work of the Holy Spirit, as, as, as the early church was being established, Jesus appeared only once, and He appeared to Paul in order because it was clear that only those who can call themselves apostles are the ones who saw the resurrected Christ. So Jesus, in His grace and His mercy, in order to affirm Paul as an apostle, He appeared to him on the road to Damascus. But that's the only time 
Always angels, always heavenly beings, but never the glorified Jesus Christ who's in heaven. The Bible makes it very, very, very clear that ever since Adam and Eve rejected God's command, disobeyed God in the garden, God provided a plan for redeeming everyone, everyone, everyone who will accept that plan. And it's only one plan, not 2,000, 2 million plans, one plan. And it's, he began to unfold it through the pages of the Old Testament. God was beginning to unfold His plan. And then, 2,000 years ago, in the fullness of time, in His appointed time, He fully revealed that plan in His Son, Jesus Christ, when He sent Him to pay for the punishment of my sin and the punishment of your sin and the punishment of everyone who would come to Him and receive that payment to be for Himself and for herself. That's the plan of God. That's the plan of God. And for 2,000 years, missionaries have gone to the ends of the earth. They have suffered, and they have died in the mission field proclaiming this good news. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. For 2,000 years, they went around the globe at personal sacrifice and even loss of life proclaiming that whosoever may come will be forgiven. And they came from every tribe, from every nation, from every corner of the globe, and they continue to come from every tribe and from every nation and from every corner of the globe. And soon the day is coming when Jesus Christ is going to sit on the judgment bench in order to separate those who have accepted His Father's plan, who accepted His plan of salvation from those who did not. He is going to separate them from the ones who wanted and sought to change that plan. He's going to separate them from the ones who try to modify that plan. They separate them from the ones who try to stretch that plan. The ones who try to make the plan relevant to people and popular to people. From the ones who try to rewrite His plan. And I wonder in my spirit, take it for what it is, if that separation has not already begun. But the question that you must ask yourself, am I willing to accept God's gift of eternal life as it is revealed in the Scripture? Am I willing to accept God's salvation the way He provided it? Or do I want something else that may fit or suit my fancy? Something that accommodates to my wishes? Something that would accommodate to my desires? Is something that accommodates to my emotions? Is something that accommodates to my needs? Beloved, listen to me. To come to God and now and say, Thy plan, Thy will be done in my life ensures your eternal salvation. To say to God, I accept your plan of salvation unconditionally, it will bring you eternal life. To say to God, I accept the way you choose to reveal yourself in the pages of the Scripture, not according to someone's imagination will bring you eternal life. But to everyone who've rejected His plan, He'll say, your will be done. You chose that. I didn't choose it for you. You chose it. You rejected me. You rejected my plan. Oh, I cry to the Lord. Not a single person in this room would not accept God's plan of salvation because that's the only way to eternal life. 
Uh, friends, because of the uh, conversation and controversy, all that sort of thing about the movie, The Shack, as well as the book, we just thought it was very, very important that you, our radio listeners, have a chance to hear what Dr. Michael Youssef had to say. Now, Rich, when is his broadcast carried regularly on our network? Uh, it, his broadcast called Leading the Way, and it's on nine at 9.30 on most of these bot radio network stations. It's on all of our stations, but in on most of them, it's at 9.30. Now, our listener comment line, write this down, because we'd love to hear from you. If you have something to comment on, anything about bot radio network, we'd love to hear from you. And the number is 800 then 345 Well, this has been a this has been an important day, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Let me just add this, Dad. I know Janet Mefford uh, did some uh, broadcasting about this movie, The Shack. She interviewed James DeYoung, and uh, he has a book out called Burning Down the Shack. So, if you'd like more information about about how to understand this movie and the book, that would be a wonderful resource. Burning Down the Shack by James DeYoung. There you go, folks. This is Dick Bott with his chapter, The Complete Story, as a public service for you folks, and I'll see you later. 